how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Hello, listeners of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? Today, we have a very special episode. What a treat to bring you this conversation. Today on the show, we're speaking with Ashley Alexander on YouTube. She goes by the name Your Mom Ashley. She's a creator that Samir and I have wanted to have on the show for a long time, mainly because her business is so different than ours. In this episode, she really pulls back the curtain on how to build a business as a lifestyle vlogger and also how complicated it can be when your life is content. I feel like on the show, we've talked a lot about the lost art of vlogging and how vlogging is really at the truest essence of what YouTube is. Like YouTube's tagline is broadcast yourself. That's what lifestyle vloggers do. But Ashley provides a really good perspective about how to actually get into that type of content and to appeal to such a wide audience. Like she's making videos for hundreds of thousands of people about her daily life. And she works with some of the biggest brands. She's got Gatorade, Capital One, Sony. I mean, truly, it is a really impressive feat to work with brands of that scale. Another thing we talked to Ashley about on this episode is the very public fallout of the content house that she was a part of, Your Mom's House, and the lessons that she learned from that that I think can be applied to anyone who's collaborating with other creators. We shot this episode in New York City at Public Opinion Studios, which is a studio run by one of our very good friends, Jack Coyne. So thank you guys for hosting this. And if you guys want to watch the video, it's available on our YouTube channel right now. Now, lastly, I just want to give a big shout out to Ashley for coming on the show and being super transparent with how she runs her business. She talks to us about how to price herself when she works with brands and also reveals a lot about how much she makes on YouTube from her AdSense. So again, thank you to Ashley, and we really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Also, if you are a listener of The Colin and Samir Show, like you exclusively listen, you don't ever watch on YouTube, head over to this YouTube video and comment pod squad. I'm really interested in that. We met someone this week who had no idea you could listen to the show. And sometimes we meet people who have no idea you can watch the show. So I'm always interested to hear who out there is just a listener to the show. So if you're just a listener, head over to the YouTube channel, comment pod squad. That's P-O-D-S-Q-U-A-D. All right, let's get into our interview with Ashley Alexander. Do you remember kind of in the early days, your first oh shit moment? Like when did you know it was working? I think my first video to really blow up was actually a Vans collection where I showed all my Vans, which I think I had like 10 pairs of Vans shoes that I had collected for like the past like six years or something. What was different is that I would see people do hauls online. That was a very popular thing at the time was to do like fashion hauls, but they were all very kind of stale sometimes where people just show, hey, this is what I got, I tried it on, that's it. But I really wanted to make it more fun and more exciting. So I would have my siblings like be behind the camera or be in the video with me and we would crack jokes and goof around. And it really wasn't so much a haul as much as it was a vlog or just like a funny video centered around what we're showing. I think people are just intrinsically curious what other people want to wear or what they buy. So 
I think that's why people like to watch it. I remember, so there was an era where Colin and I tried vlogging mm -hmm. early in our Colin and Samir YouTube yeah. era. We were like testing out vlogging and we found covering our own life to be one of the most challenging things. Yeah. And this, this almost question when you would put something out and it wouldn't perform of like, is my life interesting? Yeah. You know, like, or is it not? Am I failing at having an interesting life? And you would like have this existential question about what you're doing. Yeah. Did you ever have that? Like being young and filming your life? My, I always, um, if people ask me for advice about starting YouTube, I actually tell them to not start with vlogs because I think vlogs, I love them. And I think a lot of other people really love them. So they want to start by vlogging. And the only thing is that if you start by vlogging, no one is interested, like it kind of sucks to like hear this, but if no one's really interested in you as a person, right. if you're just like putting out vlogs, I think you almost need to start in some other type of niche or some other type of video where people will find you and then be like, okay, I really like this person's personality or whatever else. And then from there, then once you start making vlogs and people will kind of go to those. But I think it's really hard to start out just as a vlogger. That's a really good point. You look at your channel and it seems like you've earned the trust that you can put out a video titled, I miss my mom, unfiltered yeah. vlog. <laughs> and 309,000 people yeah. will watch that video. But if you look at the videos that are above a million, it's like big vans collection haul or yeah. what I eat in a week as a college student mm -hmm. vegan. Right. Yeah, Some of those yeah. things, which is like a lot more niche that if you're searching for those types of things of like how to eat as a vegan or what it's like to be in college, mm -hmm. like it'll come up in search. I think it's a really interesting point around like earning the trust to be able to do that, though. Yeah. Like you can't just open your first video. No. And yeah. do that. People don't, aren't going to care. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's super interesting. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that was kind of hard for me to grasp at first because you put out a vlog and you're like, why does, why is no one watching this? But honestly, no one is going to care about it if they don't know who you are. So I realized the best way to kind of grow YouTube, at least in my experience, was to do a mix of what I said were called idea-based videos. So whether that's a challenge or even I guess a haul could be considered yeah. something more idea-based things that have like bigger reach, but also mixed with vlogs here and there. Or even occasionally I will have videos that are more vlog style, but with more of an idea based title. So like my glow up video, for example, I would say I'm when I'm filming that, I'm just like, this is a regular vlog where I just happen to get my hair done in the vlog or something like that. But by titling it glow up for this specific reason, it becomes more idea based. And then I think it has a better reach that way. There's one of your glow up videos where you change your hair and you have bangs. Yes. And you come home and you kind of have like a tough time with it. People are. Yeah. Are... I like show it to my friends and my yeah. family. And some people are like, they're okay. And I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that's like one of the only vlogs I've ever shown myself crying in. Like that level of intimacy with the camera and with the audience. When did you get comfortable with that? Cause that's a, that's an incredibly intimate moment to be filming. Right. And like my natural reaction, if I'm in that type of emotional state is not, I'm going to film it. Yeah. You know, I would say in most situations, I would not film myself crying, but in that situation specifically, I was just thinking, I feel like there are so many other girls that have gone through a similar thing. I can't just act like I got my hair done and everyone loves it and I'm happy and go on with my day. I was like, you know what? I feel like it could help someone, honestly, if I just like show how I'm feeling and 
how this is my genuine like reaction, I guess, to having my hair be done that way. I felt like I almost had, I was like closer to my community in a way because mm. I think more people maybe would DM me and like just like show support, I guess, towards me. And it, it just made me feel like I had a more closer knit community than I even realized. That reminds me of, um, we had a comedian on the show, Hassan Minaj, yeah. and he talked about how like all great art involves risk and confession. He yeah. talks about how like comedy is the art of confession and uh, like the best artists have risk involved. And I think when I watch your stuff and when I was watching that specifically, I thought about that around risk and confession. Yeah. The fact that you are confessing something to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a love of risk of putting that on camera and putting it out into the world. Of course. Where you're like, hey, I'm, this is not easy for me. I'm having, you know, a hard time with this. Mm -hmm. And now it's out into the world. And I think that level of risk is what brings the audience closer and has them lean in to say like, she's, she's risking something by putting this out there. Um, so like, I'm with you, you know, I'm like, yeah. I, I appreciate that you're putting that out there. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I still wonder though, how you separate the yeah. two or if you do it all, like what happens online versus I guess what happens in the physical space in your real world. Because in that video too, there's, you read a comment that says, your hair makes you look too Asian. Yeah. And you're in the video, you're like, what the hell? I am Asian. <laughs> like, what's that supposed like, to what's mean? What's that supposed to mean? Yeah. I'm sure that affects you once you turn the cameras off. Yeah. Like, how do you navigate that of reading a comment like that and then trying to go on and live your day? Yeah. Comments are definitely tough. And I think that's why being a creator sometimes isn't for everyone because I have friends that have been pretty successful as a creator, but then they get a few hate comments and they say, I really actually don't like this. I don't want to create anymore. And I think um, it's hard, but I've come to the real realization that these people don't know me. And I feel like if you have a strong enough idea of who you are as a person, you say, hey, these people do not know me in real life. I feel like I can just look at a comment and be like, that is wrong. That's not how I view myself. I'm not even going to give it like the time of day. So it's, I feel like you have to have thick skin definitely to be a creator sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> you had said in an interview that at the beginning, yeah. you knew you were gonna make it, that it was gonna work out. Yeah. I don't know if that's a common feeling yeah. for a lot of creators. Honestly, I think Samir and I, when we started our channel, we felt like that. Mm -hmm. We felt like this is gonna work, we're gonna make it. Yeah. It wasn't the reality for a really long time, kind of like <laughs> hit us in the face, yeah. mm -hmm. but I'm curious, where does that confidence come from yeah. at the start? I guess this is where my views on like failure as a person are probably pretty interesting. I never, I feel like really consider failure as something that will happen, or I just don't like that word. I'm like, if I try something and it doesn't work, it's not like a failure or I'm not a failure. I just think it's a learning experience. And if anything, like I got like a little bit further to what I'm trying to do. So going into YouTube, I actually, sometimes I'm like, I need to channel this girl again that started YouTube like this, but I literally had no doubt. At that point, when I decided to do YouTube, I really treated it like, like a job almost, or I really like had the self-discipline to post like two or three times a week even, because I really wanted to kickstart that channel and really wanted to potentially do it mm -hmm. as a job and just went like full confidence into it, so. So I would imagine with the Vans video, AdSense probably kicked in at that point a little bit. Actually, so I got 
like no AdSense from that video because I remember it was a time when YouTube was taking forever to monetize people's videos. So I did YouTube for a full year before I ever got monetized. And oh, so that wow. video never got monetized. Did you um, do a brand deal at any point in that first year? Um, I think I did deals where clothing companies gave me clothes for free and I showed them, but they did not pay me. <laughs> I'm sure that was pretty exciting at that time. I was, was so, so excited. Crazy. I was yeah. like, this is the yeah, best. Yeah, like yeah. they gave me like $200 of clothes and now I can show it. When did the financial part of it go beyond that? When did, yeah. when did brands really start coming into the picture? Probably I would say a year after I started doing YouTube, um, I signed on to like management. So with a talent agency, I think around the time I had 100K subscribers actually. And from there, it was much easier to do brand deals because my manager would field my emails and pitch me and help me with things. And it was a very mutually beneficial decision, I feel like, because he knows what he's doing and he can pitch like me to brands and negotiate deals that are much higher than I would have been able to. So even though he takes that percentage, like the industry standard 20%, I think everyone, like every manager pretty much takes that amount. Um, I still think I get more out of it than if I were to try to negotiate myself. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. I mean, what you just said, the industry standard 20%. Yeah. I'm, I would say that I've heard a lot of different, I think, Wait, really? I think that, I think the, the space is evolving. I don't oh, want to like, <laughs> Let me put, negotiate put out again. there with the manager, yeah. but I think it, it, it varies on the amount of service that you're getting from the manager, I agree. right? Like mm -hmm. if it's, if, if they're really taking care of a ton, if they're helping you maybe hire, if they're helping you, okay. you know, go into other businesses, yeah. maybe. But I think like, you know, the reality is as a creator, like your inbox is the funnel of opportunity. True. Right? So it's almost like whoever you hand the keys to your inbox to yeah. gets to, you know, and if they're good at negotiating and you like them, then like mm -hmm. they can make a whole career out of your email yeah. inbox. Right? That's true. Yeah. So it's kind of like you do have more leverage than maybe you think on mm -hmm. some of those. I think maybe in lifestyle specifically or with YouTubers of like the same amount of subs approximately that I have, I would say 20% is the typical like amount that I've seen. Uh, but I can imagine if you're like a bigger YouTuber, maybe like 15 or 10% makes more sense or something yeah. like that. But my agency like helps me, like if I were to like do merch or to got do it, like it. a company, yeah, yeah. like they would be helping me with that as well. How do you navigate the commercial side of the business with the content being about your personal life. Yeah. Like, I mean, I watched the video of your boyfriend, Kelly, meeting yes. your parents. Oh yeah. And that's sponsored by Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you navigate, like, this is a real actual life moment I'm experiencing, mm -hmm. but it's also something I'm going to share with my audience. And it's also something that I'm going to monetize. Yeah. I actually really love to like have a good time with them and to film them and try to integrate them in an interesting way. I actually don't think I would have been as consistent with YouTube if I didn't take brand deals. Cause, cause I'm thinking, oh, I just got an offer from Gatorade. What video do I post this in? And then I'm thinking of all these different ideas of like, where could I place this? And then sometimes it'll actually just help me like form a video in itself. They want me to do something active. I don't just want to go to the gym and like have it be lame. So I was like, I should do like a boot camp of some type. And then I was thinking, my parents are coming soon. I should put my boyfriend through a boot camp to like just get him like ready to meet my parents. If you can have a good time with them and really try to integrate them very smoothly, I think it can be fun. And I think it can actually like end up with a creator being able to make more content or just put out more content in general.
It's interesting the thought that like brand deals give you the structure. Yeah, they really do. They give you deadlines, which mm -hmm. otherwise you don't typically have. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, it really helps like light a fire under my ass and be like, you gotta be consistent in post, but yeah. So on the, the concept of, of the business, I wanna go back to a lot of what we get from young creators is questions around like, how do they know how much to price themselves when it comes to a brand deal? Like, mm. how did you know what you were worth? At least at first, I had no idea, but I kind of just thought if I really highball them, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so I would just highball them and like, if they would come, maybe they would come down a little bit, but it would still be better than I thought I could get. And I would say, that's a win for me. Interesting. So maybe that's not the best. Cause I know brands do not like to be highballed, but that's kind of how I went initially. And then once I did that enough times, <laughs> I kind of got a gauge of like how much at that moment I was kind of worth. And then once I had a manager, he obviously knows how to do my rates. So, so when you were at like a hundred thousand subs, what was a high ball? Yes. Like if I was a brand coming to you, like what would you highball me? Probably highball by saying like five or six grand and they would come down to like One or two, two, maybe three if I'm lucky or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. And, and how has that changed over the course of the past? I guess you got a manager, so that mm -hmm. like the market rate for lifestyle vlogging changes, yeah. but then it changes. You get out of the concept of being like a lifestyle vlogger into being your mom, Ashley, or being Ashley Alexander, right? Yeah. Like now you're in a different category where I would assume you're not stacked up against, you know, a market where it's like, oh, this is the market rate. It's like, yeah. if you want Ashley, yeah, this is how much yeah. it costs to get Ashley, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, now, I'm assuming you don't want to share yeah. <laughs> how much brands pay you today. Mm -hmm. um, but what does it look like on YouTube from an AdSense perspective? Like yeah. from the CPMs that you see, you know, the type of revenue you see on AdSense yeah. exclusively beyond branding. Yeah. So I would say like my average amount I make on AdSense like per video, maybe like $2,000 is probably the average. It definitely really ranges. I could have a video that makes like 500 bucks and I'm like, why did that happen? And then like another video can make like $8,000. If that's like probably like my highest performing video would make like $8,000. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. But I would say if I averaged it all together, probably 2K per video. And that's on a new video. Yeah. And then you have the library of videos that's also making money. Yeah, yeah, slowly like yeah. trickling like slowly in like $30 accruing. a month or right, something. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. But it all kind of comes together yeah, in like it a does. monthly. So could you, right now, like if you didn't do any brand deals, would just the business of just what the platform pays you be yeah. enough for you to sustain? I think it would definitely be enough um, to just like pay my rent and like have food, but like maybe traveling and things probably wouldn't be as accessible. I think definitely by doing brand deals, I'm able to do more things that I think are exciting for viewers, um, whether that's going to a new country and kind of exploring or maybe doing something like for my family or with my family. So I think that by doing brand deals, it definitely opens up like new avenues for new opportunities. Um, but I think AdSense, it is enough for me to just like get by and pay my rent and like do all of these, or I guess it is, um, it's good security to know that it does pay off like the essentials. What, have you ever shared or do you share like what, what was your biggest ever monthly AdSense check you received? Um, that depends if I count cause brand connect gets sent oh, through, through my AdSense, AdSense. Yeah, yeah. but if I don't count brand connect, yeah. I think like last year in December, I was like amazed by like the 
RPM and yeah. CPM that I had, I think I made like $25,000 off of just AdSense. And wow. I was like, oh my God, that's I mean, that's crazy. really significant. Yeah. yeah. And then- and, and that's absent of brand deals. Yes. Which obviously trade higher yeah. than Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, um, I, I really view my family as a collective and anything that I can do to help them, I feel like just helps us. And if we have interest, for example, on our house or student loans, like any of those big payments that I can help pay off, like that, that uh, AdSense month, I definitely was just like, okay, Amber wow. Spring College tuition, like let's get that done with so like we don't accrue interest as a family. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's dope. Is that where you feel like you get a lot of your personal validation in this career? Like does it- From my family? Uh, yeah, from your ability to impact your family. Yeah, I think definitely um, like what I'm most proud of with my career is just having been able to like help my family out and bring up everyone as a group and just kind of make life easier so that maybe now like my dad, for example, had worked six days a week for probably like 25 years of his life. And now he's like, I'll take Saturdays off now because we're more comfortable. So just like little things like that have like really been super helpful. And I feel like my parents are much more at ease. I do remember like going to college thinking like, literally like how are my parents going to pay for my tuition my siblings tuition i'm like calculating i'm like there's literally no way like we'll just have student loans like forever and ever but like with youtube i got to pay my own um tuition and ended up graduating like debt free and it was just like a very Damn, very proud crazy. moment yeah. yeah that's crazy mm -hmm. that's so cool yeah yeah do you have any advice for creators that want to work with some of the brands that you work with because it is different when you look at your channel and you see Gatorade, Sony, Capital yeah. One, like these are blue chip brands that mm -hmm. you do see on TV, like commercials, yeah. on billboards. Yeah, I mean, so those brands you mentioned specifically, I really have worked with through YouTube Brand Connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's where a lot of like the really like bigger brands where I'm like very surprised to get a deal with them sometimes come from. Can you explain um, what Brand Connect is? Yeah, so Brand Connect is basically, uh, it's like kind of like, the agency for ads almost, but for YouTube. So a brand will come to YouTube and say, hey, we want creators um, to do an integration for us. And then YouTube will pitch it then to my agency or my, my sure. manager. And it kind of goes down the line of getting pitched until they get like a list of creators that will do videos with them. You definitely, as a creator, I think have to get to a certain, you have to be trusted by YouTube enough for them yeah. to come to you through Brand Connect. Mm -hmm. But without question, the highest rates we've seen have been through Brand Connect. I agree, mm -hmm. yeah. But I didn't start getting Brand Connect deals probably until like midway through this year. Got it. So, or earlier, like maybe like spring of this year. There's definitely more restrictions in what you can show oh, yeah. when you work through their agency. Yeah. We talked about that on a recent mm -hmm. podcast. Like I noticed also in your video with Kelly, like everything's blurred out. And that's oh, why I turned yeah. to Colin and yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, this is Brand Connect. <laughs> like, this yeah, is, as a creator, you can yeah, tell. You can tell when it's Brand mm -hmm. Connect because of how think restrictive it, it is. Yeah, it's not super interesting in the video, but if you watch that video closely, every single logo like yeah. is blurred. Like you probably can't tell, but like my dad had like a little logo on his hat, a little yeah. logo on his shirt, yeah, yeah, and they're gone. No, we're familiar. Yeah, mm -hmm. I watched. I, I was yeah. like, once I saw that, I was like, oh, this is It's extra work. Yeah, I think it's good for creators to know, though, that generally those rates will be higher, but it yes. may be more difficult to make. Yeah, I think you kind of, those deals are ones that you get once you're pretty established as yeah. a YouTuber. But I think just to get connected with those brands, I mean, if they have events, even if it's non-paid, I think it really is helpful to just 
go to events and to talk totally. to other people and even like DM brands that you want to work with. I think a lot of people are afraid to reach out themselves or just assume mm. if I want to do a deal, yeah. it'll come into my inbox. But sometimes brands like you can pitch them an idea or say, hey, I really love you guys. Would you want to do a video together? And like maybe they don't respond, but maybe they do. Is so there an example know. where that's worked for you? Um, there's definitely been like brands where I'm like would love to collab with them. Like there's a bikini line that I like love to wear. And I was like, what if we do a bikini line together next year? So I like DM them about it and like, that might be something I try to work on next year, but yeah. Got it, cool. Mm -hmm. I do think that's really good advice. A yeah. lot of times it's just about finding someone at the company and creating a connection with them. For us, I mean, we went to three or four Samsung events and oh, just got yeah. to know the people right. before we actually had a deal. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I feel like you guys are like the Samsung guys. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we are the Samsung guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, like right now in the industry that we're in, it mm -hmm. is predominantly male. Mm -hmm. How does it, like how do you navigate being a female in, in the industry? Does that play into anything? Like what what is that experience like? Yeah, I mean, I feel like from like a YouTube perspective, I kind of feel like it is kind of like a more even playing field in a way. Cause I do feel like it's really based on personality just as yeah. a person. Um, but I think outside of YouTube, when I talk to people in a business setting, I have a lot of like YouTube girly friends that make aesthetic vlogs and you would not know that behind the scenes they're investing in property, they're buying houses, renting it out to people, things like that. And I think, um, it's just like less known or some, I feel like I see some girls get a little like less respect about their business ventures. Um, or even it's very interesting. I feel like how it's taken online for girls to talk about business. I think a lot of times once you start talking about business, it becomes unrelatable. But I think when I see a lot of guys oh, talk about business, it becomes kind of more inspirational or, oh, that's so cool. Mm. Um, so I think it just gets taken a little bit of a different way and that's something that we kind of have to maneuver. Does that limit you at all from talking about business or? I think sometimes I'm a little more like hesitant. Even now, this is probably like the most I've talked about business online, but I think it can be really helpful for people that want to get into the creative totally. space. And I don't want to like gatekeep how like we all grew yeah. as YouTubers. Um, so I think it is really cool. I mean, I love what you guys do into have a podcast where you can really learn from other creators. It's something that I didn't have when I started YouTube. So something that we didn't yeah. have. Yeah. You know, something started, that none, yeah. none of us yeah. had when we started. So it's why we made the show. We, yeah, we felt awesome. like, yeah, that's interesting though, that, you know, cause I feel like I'm fascinated by your business oh, thank because you. <laughs> it is so different from ours and from a lot of other yeah. people's cause it is like the most true to, I think what YouTube has been forever. Yeah. This, this notion of like broadcast yourself. It's like, here you are, mm -hmm. you're doing your thing. Yeah. And now that is a business, you know, that's like, to me, one of the most interesting. When you think about like the, the pie chart of the Ashley Alexander business, mm -hmm. what does it look like today? And what do you want it to look like in the future? A fifth is from AdSense and then four fifths is from brand deals actually. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then I don't have merch or anything right now, so it's just only brand deals. So the whole business, it's, like, it's, it's a full media and advertising business right now. Yeah. And you want it to evolve into products, like direct-to-consumer yeah. products? Yeah, I would love to do products actually more because I think it's so great to have tangible items yeah, I totally for agree. your community and really feel like, hey, if they buy this, like, 
it's it's directly supporting someone that you watch and you kind of like can see it and be like, whoa, like this is something from online that I have in real life. I just think that as a concept is so cool and I would love to have something like that to share with my community. Yeah. And so I was telling you guys that I, I love matcha. I have a matcha literally every single day. It's something that I show all the time in my videos because I really like to show my food in videos, even if it makes no sense. I'm just like, by the way, Here's my avocado toaster. Here's my matcha that I'm making throughout the day as well. Um, so I feel like that would be something that's really on brand and something that I'm pretty passionate about. Like I really love matcha and I show it all the time. And I think having that as a product would be super cool, especially since it's not something that you need to keep in stock with sizes or like constantly have like new seasons of. It's just a one-off product that's just Pretty easy comparatively to purchase. make. Yeah, it's a it's repeat of, purchase. It's like we, we talk about products that are like part of rituals. Yeah. It's so like every morning you wake up and make this matcha. So yeah. it's like a repeat. You're constantly buying it because it just yeah. becomes a part of your routine. Right? Mm -hmm. It's definitely something that I want to do down the line. Um, and I think going back to if YouTube lasts or not, I think it's smart to diversify. So that's something I'm kind of trying to work on over time as well. Do you see that as a problem that your business is entirely advertising based? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, I don't see it as a big problem just because I'm doing okay. But I think if I wasn't doing okay or if YouTube just disappeared, I would go, oh no, there goes <laughs> yeah. my entire life. Because everything I do and pretty much all the money that I make does come from YouTube. I do actually do some on Instagram um, and then like a tiny bit on TikTok, but the big chunk, probably like 95% of what I do is on YouTube. So. I do want to diversify onto other platforms um, or even into other products just to make sure I kind of Got it. am more stable in that how way. Does the, how, how do the rates vary from Instagram to YouTube? So surprisingly, pretty similar, I would say. I think Instagram stories are always, yeah, are what are going to be like the smallest rate. Yeah. Um, but any type of like long-term deal I've done on Instagram is pretty similar to YouTube. Like, wow integration. But um, the margin is probably higher because you don't have to go make a video, right? Yeah. I love, if I get a deal on Instagram, yeah, I'm like, that's let's like, go. That's I crazy. love like, doing that. Yeah. I, can, I mean, like we do not spend any time on our Instagram really, mm -hmm. but if we got Instagram deals, I would be so excited because like, I mean, we just posted. Yeah, we just posted, but we don't like, we don't really think about Instagram. I don't know. We yeah. could get a deal. I know. I feel like a lot of creators don't think about Instagram, but the biggest deal I've actually ever signed in my life was for Instagram. Really? So, mm -hmm. Whoa. Hmm. I yeah. would have assumed it was I, I think you know my follow-up question. Yes. Are you comfortable sharing how much that deal was? The biggest deal you ever signed in your I don't life? know if I should share it, but um, it was for $100,000. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. I remember it was at 90K, and my manager pitched it to me, and I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I was like, can you ask them to do 100K just so I can say I got a six-figure brand yeah. deal? Yeah. And they actually like went up in rate. And I was so surprised. Was that for and a number of posts or? It was for like a six month deal where I post like a few things every month. Wow. Mm -hmm. But don't sleep on Instagram. Don't sleep on Instagram. Don't sleep on Instagram. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> We're sleeping on saying, Instagram. Let's not close the door We're, on we are Instagram. currently sleeping on Instagram. Yeah. We just posted. I, also another note for TikTok, which I've only probably done like two or three deals on TikTok, but their rates are very similar to YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. To the point where I'm like, sometimes I'm like, this is so much easier than YouTube. Right. I'm like, God damn it. Maybe I should do TikTok more because mm. 
the video takes me like such a fraction of time compared yeah. to a YouTube video and the rates are very similar. To I mean, YouTube is the hardest platform. Yeah. By far, right? It's yeah. like the most intensive amount of work. For sure. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. Like, I, I don't know if creators really think that much about um, margin when it comes to like, if someone offered me $10,000 for an Instagram post yeah. and $20,000 for a YouTube video, I would say that's, that's nearly the same rate. Yeah. And I would because much rather do the Instagram post. You'd rather post. do the Instagram post for yeah. 10 grand, right? Yeah. I'd probably even rather do it for five grand uh, because the, the yeah. YouTube video is so hard to make, right? Yeah, exactly. If you don't have like a great process or a ton of ideas or like, mm -hmm. you know, like it's it's hard to make YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of weight on YouTube videos compared yeah. to a, an Instagram post or a TikTok. Yeah. It's so interesting. What was sort of the origins of your mom house? Like, why did you move in with the people that you moved in with? Kind of, what was the idea there? Yeah, so basically I had gone on a trip with two of my friends, Elliot and Kelly, and we all just got along as friends. And they were mentioning to me like, hey, we're, we're both considering moving to New York. And at that point I was living alone upstate and I was like, it would be so fun to live with friends. So I was like, hey, if you guys wanna do the house, I'm absolutely down, like, let's do it. Um, and then we just kind of went from there. And I think I had also been really craving kind of talking with other creators or being around other creators. Cause living in upstate New York, I feel like I was the only YouTuber in like an hundred mile radius almost. Yeah. When we did a video about you guys, we referred to it as like a deconstructed sitcom yeah. where everyone is sharing perspectives of yeah. the same day and you get to latch on to different storylines. And if you take a break, you're in someone else's content yeah like that was a really interesting dynamic that we got to see out of a yeah. out of a creator house mm -hmm. um now when we came and sat down with you guys we also yeah. were exploring the concept of trying to navigate like how you guys were going to solve this because yeah content houses are notoriously extremely challenging yeah to keep together mm -hmm. and it is what happened yes. with your mom's house <laughs> yeah yeah that I is what happened it didn't it yeah. didn't really work out right like how do you describe, I guess, what happened after a year with your mom's house? Yeah, I think we all went into it very optimistic, but also really not knowing anything about how to run a content house or like what that even meant. So at the end of the day, I think communication is a very, very important thing. And I think there was just trouble communicating. And that's what kind of like led to it's demise, I guess. I don't want to say demise. But I still feel like it was such like a great house and we all had so much fun. And um, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone regrets joining it. It was such a learning experience and just being around other creators, like just so helpful to learn how to um, just grow your channel or to connect with viewers in a different way. I remember you guys saying, or someone, a guest that you had on saying that when you live with creators, if someone makes a mistake, then everyone else in the house learns from that mistake. So it just kind of, yes. everyone just learns faster because if one person makes a mistake, everybody learns from it. Right. Yeah. So when we were chatting with you guys, and I, don't, I think this was now almost a year ago. Yeah, probably that. exactly yeah, a year almost. it was almost. exactly a year ago when we did that. You know, you guys were just starting to make content together. Yes. And prior to that, the concept was you guys are all living in a house. You all run your own businesses. Mm -hmm. You get to make content together, but there's no like shared group yeah. Kind of brand. Mm -hmm. And around that time, you had just started to make a podcast. You had just started to kind of formulate what the house was. Yes. And a lot of what we were talking about when it came to communication was going into it, mm -hmm. recognizing 
like figuring out what that business looked like, yeah. who owned what, what was the split? Because you know we've been in the experience of being in business with friends. Yeah. And initially, like you go in and you're like, this is gonna be cool. We're friends. We'll figure it out. Yeah. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's just a classic tale. But everyone has to go through it themselves. Yeah. Where that doesn't pan out like that. Yeah. Everyone has their own expectation of what they're adding to the group. Everyone has their own expectation of what they should receive mm-hmm. from adding that. Yeah. You know, you talked about this in your video with Kelly that yeah. there was conversation and disagreement around how yeah. equity in the house should be shared. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit and how that, I guess, felt for you? Yeah, so initially going into the house, I think everyone was like just super hyped about it. We're all kind of going into it saying, it's all gonna be split completely equally. Um, it'll be great. We'll figure out all the business stuff down the line. Um, but at the end of the day, none of us are like really business people. None of us really know how to handle the house. Um, and I think there were also different expectations of where the house would go as a group as well. Um, And then I guess just over time, like you said, we had the discussion about equity. What I said in the video with um, Kelly is that there was like a disagreement about like how the equity should be split. So um, Elliot had said to Kelly that he wanted to be 50-50 him and Kelly, which could make sense because it was his and Kelly's idea initially. But I felt very left out of that because I kind of felt like, hey, I went into the house with you Mm -hmm. um, and the house wouldn't have existed if it weren't for me and all of the other members. And also just being the only girl in that situation, I was kind of like, it feels like when yeah. you're in like a STEM class and like the I've male professor. Oh yeah, It's is. like if you're in like a comp side class or like something mm. like that and you're the only girl and then they're like, just like very dismissive of you. Mm. So that was kind of upsetting. And then that just led to um, some like head sputting. And then from there, just like not good. Um, and I think it's, easy for things like that to happen when you're friends with people you agree to go into business people have different expectations and then it just kind of blows up from there so it's a really good learning experience that i think going into any other business ventures we really need to be very clear and very honest about how we feel like things should be split like in the beginning yeah Um, before you enter into it yeah before you enter into it and like written down signed and agreed so that it's not like oh i've changed my mind or something over Mm -hmm. time exactly it's an uncomfortable thing to do it is because like the energy and the momentum of being like hey let's do this is completely cut by being like hey (laughs) i'd like to have this percentage of anything we make in the future Mm -hmm. you know that's like a really uncomfortable thing to do and we're creatives yeah being creative is all about the energy of a moment and like building on momentum and excitement. And just like, I think that is a huge value to representation in our industry, meaning like Mm -hmm. um, having management or an agent or a business manager, like someone who's involved so that you can keep your, you know, energy, your creative energy, but have someone else come in and be like, Hey, I think we should own this. Cause although you are you, you are Ashley, there is a business of your yeah. mom, Ashley, right? Mm-hmm. That exists, that actually now, like you have to also be a little bit removed from and protect yeah. the business of that. Yeah. You are moving into a house with a bunch of YouTube creators. Again. Yes. So mm-hmm. what what are you bringing into this house from the lessons from the last house? Like yeah. how do you 
navigate moving in with a bunch of YouTube creators? Yeah, so it's not a content house this time. It's more of just friends living together that all happen to do YouTube. And we decided that we think that that's the best way to go about it. If it does become a group thing down the line, we'll see. But I think it's much better to see how our friendships just last by just coexisting and living together first before we get into any other business ventures. But I think yeah. what I said on, on our last episode about you guys was I think you either need to decide to live together or work together. Like I, yeah. I saw it as kind of binary. Mm -hmm. And it, from what it seems like right now, you guys are just living together. Yeah. And I think it's clear that if you were to go into business with anyone in the house, yeah. you would write something up. Yeah. Right? Like but having gone sound, through what you just went through. I'm, it does I mean, sound very similar. It, it sounds similar to when you it moved does. into your mom's house. Like how you just pitched it does sound it almost similar. exactly how you guys pitched your mom's yeah. house. But there's me. no name to this house. No. Yeah. I think the difference is really the expectation that viewers have. I think um, in our move out videos, we outright said, hey, there's no expectation for us to all film together in a group setting. We're just friends living together. And there's no name of yeah. the house or we're not really a collective at the moment. We just all are roommates. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to have that same pressure for us to all film together, I don't think. Um, and I really, I think I'm still going to really focus on content as a solo YouTuber and so will everyone else in the house. So there might be less group content, which yeah. I guess is sad for some people, but I think that's the best way to go about it for us. The model, even from a viewer's perspective, does it feel similar to me because like your guys' move-in videos, everyone made one. They were released on, on the, the same, same day. day. It's the same deconstructed sitcom model. Yeah. Right? It's like, we're all moving into a house. I get to see everyone's perspective of it. Mm -hmm. So it is, no matter what, from the audience's perspective, it's a group. Yeah. Right? And like it's, it, 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 I'm interested to see a year from now, mm -hmm. you know, you guys are at the end of that lease. How did that pan out? Because yeah. we are in, as creators, we're in the business of just ideas. Right. And coexisting in a space with people, you're coming up with ideas together, you're creating things together. Mm -hmm. like that is a natural thing to happen. Yeah. But it's also the business of ideas. So there is that business element yeah. to it where it's like someone comes up with an idea, someone else does it, and they're like, hey, wait, wasn't that, mm -hmm. wasn't that something we came up with together? Yeah. At the breakfast table? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's the... That's the challenge of, of being in the business of creativity. It's like these are intangible things that are coming out of your head that mm -hmm. the concept of ownership is 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 loose. Yeah. You know? And it's it's kind of confusing to figure out. Yeah. I think the main difference actually is going into the last house, we had this idea that we would have an LLC and that's where there was the yeah. whole talk about equity. But this time we're not making anything that would need to be split. So there's no LLC in talks right now. We're just all still doing our separate channels. And I think just by not having the LLC and not having to split equity a certain way, I just think we'll all stay friends <laughs> better. So that's kind of how we're going about it for now. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, so in the, in the past year, like not only were you part of a, a content collective with your mom's house, but yeah. you're also in a relationship with mm -hmm. Kelly, another YouTube creator. And you guys are also making content together. Yes. Mm -hmm. You also have a joint in Instagram account. Yeah, we do. Cashly, right? Yeah, is that, it's kind of like right? a spam. Yeah, it is Cashly. Okay, that's, our, <laughs> that's our ship name. Yeah. And we made a little spam account where we can just ship post name. pictures wow. together. Amazing. And it's funny. Um, okay, so what lessons have you learned from, you know, being a part of your mom's house? And do you apply that same logic to making content with Kelly? Like as a collective yeah. with Kelly? I think for sure. I think what I realized from the house is that hanging out off camera is more important than on camera actually. So sometimes Kelly and I will get in such like a, I guess kind of like 
a groove of filming together that we realized we haven't gone on a date or haven't like not filmed in quite a while. So I realized we really need to um, schedule things to do together that are not filmed mm. and like really make sure that our relationship off camera is very, very strong. And that's the most important thing. And if I could never film with him ever again, like that's totally fine. As long as like our relationship together is like solid. And I realized that just the relationships themselves are what matter to me more than anything else. Mm. But yeah. Do brands want to book you guys together ever? Do we like haven't. That's like one of our goals actually is like, it's we fine. think it'd be so fun to do like a joint brand thing one day. Um, but we'll see. We have our Instagram. We put the business email in the Instagram if oh, anybody so it, wants to it is a hit us up. But have yeah. you guys talked about the revenue share of we, that business? We, <laughs> Kelly and I actually have an LLC. Yeah. You really? guys have an LLC? Yeah, oh, we yeah. Do. You and Kelly? Yeah, we do. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you really got, so that, that now good. from yeah. a like your relationship perspective. Yes. You guys break up, but you still have a business. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not foreshadowing anything. Yeah, I'm just saying. Not again. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But, um. <laughs> That's so interesting. You guys yeah. have an LLC. We just thought that there hopefully would be opportunities down the line and we haven't had any, but we just thought we should make an LLC while we're thinking about it in case something did ever you, comes up. So did you and Kelly sign like an LLC contract? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a prenup. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>grown on YouTube, I've actually realized sometimes it's better for me to not watch YouTube as much because I think it's really easy to compare myself to other creators and say, hey, why am I not growing at the same rate as they are? Um, so I feel like now I actually am kind of just more doing it just for my own pleasure, I guess, and saying, hey, I really like to make these certain videos and post it this way. Or sometimes I'll even watch my own videos and really use those as inspiration for my videos now. Um, but I wouldn't say there's like a specific person at the moment that I really watch. That's a really That's, good point. Yeah. And I feel like not too many creators bring that up that yeah. many times your own videos can be the best inspiration. Yeah. Uh, I've been saying this a lot lately, but I feel like most times we talk about learning from failure, but on YouTube, you actually really need to learn from success. Yeah. Right. Like you've put out so many videos and if you want to continue to like reach the same amount of people and have the same type of impact. Mm hmm you want to look at like what's worked in the past, yeah, not yeah. what necessarily didn't work, mm -hmm. right? Like that is such a huge part of it. I think it's so interesting that you watch your videos, yeah. or at least that you talk about it, because not that many creators I feel like talk about it. Yeah, no, sometimes I will go back and like watch old vlogs, um, even if they're like not ones that did better, sometimes I'll just be like, wow, like this was, I really filmed this in a way that like I liked, or I forgot that I used to do this mm -hmm. and let me put this into another vlog again or just kind of like remind myself of like, this is where I started and like how I grew. And it's just, I think it's good to go back and kind of like, just see how you've progressed and take from your old videos even. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, awesome. Ashley. Yeah, of yeah. course. Thank Appreciate you, you so sitting much. down. Yeah, no, this I'm is cool. Literally so honored.
Like I really, really am. I love your guys' videos. Even just hearing you say that is yeah, so yeah. cool. Like I'm honored that you oh, would say that you're you. honored. So that's very cool. Thank I do you. think it's cool though, because I think a lot of people want to be what you are. You know, like oh. the most desired job is to be a YouTube creator. So I think mm -hmm. you represent for like the next crop of creators, something yeah. that they're aspiring to be like. Yeah. And I do think it's important to talk about, you of know, course. how like that it is a business, how it works, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you're gonna go through like public opinion. Yeah, of course. Like people are going hey to, <laughs> people are gonna like judge you online. Yeah. People are gonna be all up in your stuff. And yeah. that's just the reality of it. It's part of the job. Yeah. yeah. All right, so that's it for our conversation with Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on the show and being so transparent. I really think these conversations are so supportive for the future of the creator economy. Like if we had access to these when we were first starting out, that would be awesome. And that's why we make the show. So thanks, Ashley, for coming on. And we hope you guys really enjoyed this. And as a final reminder, if you are a listener of the show, head over to the YouTube version of this video and put in the comments, Pod Squad. Also, last thing. Next week, we are releasing a very special episode on YouTube. So if you don't typically check out our YouTube channel on Mondays, make sure to go check it out. We'll talk about it here on the show as well, but we do want you guys to be aware there's going to be a video that's exclusively on our YouTube channel next week. Go check it out. All right, see ya.